Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's so good to be here today to teach all of you about Jesus, isn't it? Oh, yes. Well, today we're going to learn about a time when the disciples were in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and a big storm blew up. Great timing. Anyway. What are we doing? Callie Bay, calm down. What are we going to do about what? Didn't you hear that noise? We got to do something or we're all going to die. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Noise? What noise? <laughs> that, that, that noise! What, you mean the thunder? Yes, the thunder! Well, there's no need to get all worked up about a little thunder. A little bit of thunder? A little bit of thunder? There's a huge thunderstorm headed our way. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Okay, okay, calm down. I'll let you know what we're going to do. <sighs> okay, I'm calm. What are we going to do? Relax. Here's what we're going to do. What? Nothing. What? Yes, Kelly Mae? I don't think I heard you right. Did you say we're going to do nothing? That's right. Um, I think there's something you should know. Yeah, what's that? I want to tell you a secret. I'm scared of storms! Well, I was just about to tell everybody here about the time when the disciples were on a boat in the Sea of Galilee when a big storm blew up. The people? Oh, hey, y'all. <laughs> so what did the disciples do? Oh, oh. They freaked out just like you're doing now. See, even the disciples of Jesus we're afraid of thunderstorms. Yeah, but this story isn't really about them, is it, Eddie? Nope, sure isn't. It isn't? Nope, it's about Jesus. Was Jesus afraid of storms too? Not in the least. He was sleeping in a boat. Jesus was sleeping in the boat in the middle of a huge storm? Yep. Well, at least until the disciples woke him. Then what did he do? He stood up and told the wind and the waves to be still. And the storm stopped and the sea became as smooth as glass. Wow, Jesus did that? He sure did. Well, you know, that's all great and wonderful for the disciples. But how is that supposed to help us right now? Jesus was in control of the weather then, and he still is now. Really? You bet. As a matter of fact, Jesus is in control of everything. So God's children don't have to be afraid of anything. 
Okay. So let me see. Jesus is in control of everything. So God's children don't need to be afraid of anything. You got it! Hey, you know what? What? I know a song we can sing to keep, to help us remember God is in control. It's called, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. We'll sing the first, and it goes like this. He's got the whole world in his hands, and repeats another three times. Then the first verse says, he's got a little teeny baby, and all of you guys will go whack. Right after the word baby. Can I hear y'all do that? Everybody say whack. Whack. Okay, let's try it with the verse. He's got the little teeny baby. Great job. The second verse says, He's got you and me, brother. And all of you guys go, sister, right after the word brother. Then the last verse says, He's got everybody here. And all of you guys will go, yeah. Right after the word here. Okay? Okay, Got it. Okay. Y'all ready? Let's try it. He's got got the whole world in his hands. He's 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 got the little teeny baby. In his hands, he's got the little teeny baby. In his hands, he's got the little teeny baby. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother. In his hands, he's got you and me, brother. In his hands, he's got you and me, brother. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got everybody here. Yeah. In his hands, he's got everybody here. Yeah. In his hands, he's got everybody here. Yeah. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Great job, everybody. was cool. God's got the whole world in his hands so God's children don't have to be afraid of anything. That's right. And that's something all of you can remember too. Well, I'm still not real crazy about thunderstorms. Oh, brother. Oh, my. Bye. Bye. this time our children will be dismissed to Children's Church, room 104. Are you glad God's in control of everything today? No matter what you're facing in your life, no matter what the turmoil may be, God is in control. You know, we watch the news right now and we see what's going on around the world. Uh, it's great to know that we know what the end result is. It's great to know that we know God has got everything in his own hand and in his control. And that if we'll just trust in him and his word, that we'll be all right. Worship makes us vulnerable. 
so that the word can penetrate our hearts and lead us to transformation. It was in Isaiah 40 and 9 that it was said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. His word is infallible and true. It will never be disproven. It will never be defeated. And so in a world of trouble and turmoil, as I just talked about, we need God's word more now than ever. Because it gives us the fuel we need to make sure that we press on each and every day. So as our pastor comes today, I ask that you open your hearts and you uh, will receive what's true and is the God's word because it can work wonders in your life. Pastor Ron. Amen. Thank you. Let me tell you a story about a man named Simon. He started out a chunk of coal, but finished as a diamond. Think about that. You have in your bulletin today an outline of the sermon. You're welcome to follow along with me. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the church service I've been in this morning. In the presence of the Lord. This morning I'm going to share with you about a man in Christ. And um, as you'll notice at the top of the page there, I've written that Paul said, I knew a man in Christ. That's where that phrase comes from. Although I'm not preaching this morning about Paul, the message is going to be about Peter. Peter was the one, excuse me, Paul was the one who uttered that phrase, I knew a man in Christ, and he was referring to himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. Paul didn't want to call his own name. He didn't want to brag on himself. He didn't want to bring attention to himself, but he had a story to tell. So what he said was, I knew a man in Christ, and then he began to tell the story of what happened to that man, who was really Paul himself. He was deflecting attention from him to use a story and tell a story that needed to be told. However, Paul wasn't the only man in Christ, was he? There's a a classic in Christian literature entitled A Man in Christ, and it's about Paul. It was written in 1935, one of the first books that we were told and assigned to buy when I was in college preparing for ministry was A Man in Christ, written 1935 by a man whose last name was Stuart. But Paul was not the only man in Christ. As it turns out, there are many, have been many, and Peter was one of those, A Man in Christ. So this morning, I'm going to, for the next few minutes, if you'll, if you'll listen carefully, follow along with me, I believe the Lord will speak to our hearts this morning about what that means to be a man or a woman in Christ. Um, Simon Barjona was this man's name. In Matthew 16, verse 17, if we were to follow a timeline of Peter in his uh, ministry, it would have been about two or th- close to three years after Paul started following, after Peter started following Jesus. Uh, he had this meeting with Jesus where Jesus asked the disciples, who are men saying that I am? What are people saying about me? Jesus asked. And so Peter spoke up and, and, uh, and I'm going to cut the conversation short for time's sake. 
he, he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who I say you are. And then the Lord responded to Peter by saying, uh, blessed art thou Simon Barjona. He called his name Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the father, which is in heaven. I'm just illustrating by sharing this passage of scripture that Simon Peter's name, his real name was Simon Barjona. Now, Bar simply means son, and Jonah was a configuration of the name John or Jonah. Very similar names, sometimes they're equated. So Simon Bar-Jonah means Simon, the son of Jonah. Now, that's important, I think, for us to understand because when we turn to John chapter 1, verse 42, there's a confrontation, not a, not, and not in a bad sense, but in a good sense, where, where Peter is meeting Jesus for the first time, and Jesus looks at, at Peter, and he says to him something that may seem strange to us. In John 1.42, he says, now your name is, basically says, your name is, is, um, Simon Barjona, your name is John, but I'm going to give you another name. I'm going to call you. And we usually hear this name pronounced Cephas. However, actually that C should sound as a K, like we would say cat or catastrophic or some of those other words. It, it sounds as a K sounds, so his name was Kepha or Kephas. And Jesus says, I'm going to call you that. Now, What's happening is Jesus is recognizing that he's Simon, son of Jonah, but I'm going to give you another name. I'm going to call you Kepha or Kephas, which the Bible says translated means a stone or a rock. And then that comes from a Greek translation from two words, Petros or Petra. Now, it's interesting that all these names have to do with different languages and the way they come to us. But the main thing I'd like for us to understand is that his name was Simon Barjona. That was the name given to him by his father. Jesus gave him another name, Kepha or Kephas. And then that translated uh, through Greek comes to us as Petros or Petra. And we call it today Peter, Simon Peter. So when you read in the Bible about all those names, it's talking about the same person. And you can understand why, because Jesus was naming him at the time speaking in Aramaic, but it was later translated into Greek. So we have all those names, the Aramaic name, Kepha, the Greek name, Petros or Peter, and then the original name, Simon Barjona or Simon, son of Jonah. So anytime you see any of those names, we're talking about the same person. Now, Peter was a man. Well, you say, well, who knows? Everybody knew that. No, no, I mean, he was a man. Peter was a man's man. He was, uh, several weeks ago, Joy and myself were somewhere. I don't remember where it was, probably a restaurant. At any rate, I looked at her and I said, is that a man or a woman? You ever been there? I couldn't tell. I couldn't decide. Well, she decided it was a woman, and I think I decided it was a man, uh, or the vice versa. It doesn't really matter. And sometimes nowadays, it's just hard to tell if it's a man or a woman. When, I promise you something. When you looked at Simon Peter, there was no doubt. Uh, he wasn't dressed in lace. <laughs> he was a man's man. He was strong. He was 
uh, big. He, he, I believe he had probably a deep voice and, uh, he was a, he was a man's man. He was a fisherman, as you see on your sheet there. And Matthew chapter four, verse 18, the Bible gives us an account of one of the times when Jesus called them to be disciples. And the Bible says that, that he was casting a net into the sea. And then Jesus said to him, follow me. Well, that's not the only account in the Gospels that we read of something like that. We also read, and for this one, I'd like for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 4, because I think there's something here that might be helpful for us. I'm going to begin in Luke chapter 1. There's something about Luke's Gospel I think we don't need to ignore. He mentions this in his introduction And uh, Luke says in chapter 1, verse 3, as he's introducing his letter to this man that he's writing to, Theophilus, Luke says, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Now, obviously... When we compare the Gospels, there are, there are differences in the sequence of events as you read through the Gospels. And I would just like for us to make a mental note this morning that when you read the Gospel of Luke, he states in his introduction that I'm writing this to you in an orderly account. In other words, I'm putting things in order as I understand them to be. So he wasn't just telling stories. He was telling a story with a storyline, putting things in chronological order. And for that reason, I think it's probably um, a good thing for us to note just a couple of things this morning as we piece this story together about Peter's life. First of all, as uh, Jesus has just been baptized early in the Gospel of Luke, and then he has been tempted by the devil for um, 40 days and 40 nights, and then he has begun his ministry in Galilee, Luke chapter 4, verse 14, and then he goes to this synagogue, and he teaches there, and he reads the scriptures so so well known, I think, to most of us where Jesus opened up the scripture and began to read in verse 18 of chapter 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he goes ahead and reads this scripture about all the great things that the Messiah is supposed to do. Verse 20, he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And basically he said, well, he did say in verse 21, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus leaves that scene just beginning his ministry and he begins to do all the things that that passage of scripture said. He begins to heal the sick. He begins to open blinded eyes. He begins to perform miracles. He begins to show who he is and demonstrate his power. So he begins in the power of the spirit, this great ministry that most of us love to read about and love to examine in scripture. But one of the first things he does after 
after he leaves there and they didn't, some of them didn't like his message and they rejected him. So the Bible says in verse 31 that Jesus went down to Capernaum and there he cast out a demon. Well, that created some interest, didn't it? As people began to follow, it got their attention. And then the very next thing that happens in verse 38, after, after, uh, healing some folks and working some miracles, the Bible says, now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now I want you to notice that Simon hasn't even yet been called to be a disciple yet. He has met Jesus one time, just early on after he was baptized. Simon, Simon Peter's brother Andrew took Peter, introduced him to John the Baptist and subsequently to Jesus. And, and then Jesus said, I'm not going to call you Simon Peter. I'm going to call you Cephas. You're going to be a rock and a stone. And from that point, it seems as if, um, Peter must have tagged alone a little bit. Listen to what Jesus had to say. He works a few miracles and does a few wonderful, powerful things. And the first thing we see is that he's going to Simon Peter's house. And if you'll notice that Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. And they made a request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and served them. So now Peter has seen a miracle from Jesus in his own family. His mother-in-law has been healed. And then Jesus healed many at, after the Sabbath sunset. And then he begins to preach in Galilee, which brings us then to chapter 5, where I want to focus for just a few moments. Now notice, if you would, the Bible says, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, anytime you read the lake of Gennesaret, uh, the Sea of Galilee, uh, Lake Gennesaret, all of that is the same body of water. It's not an ocean, it's a big lake. Um, and so the Bible says, so it was, the multitude pressed around Jesus to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down in the boat and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And then when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And then he goes on to say a little bit later, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now, let's pause there for just a moment. Jesus has performed miracles and already this early on created a following, hasn't he? Wherever he goes, people are thronging around him. So here we are early in the morning at the lakeside and there are already throngs of people gathered already around Jesus to hear what he would say. Jesus sees a boat in the water and gets in the boat, then finds out it's Peter's boat and says, let's take me out a little ways. I want to talk to these people. So he goes out and he begins to minister to the people. Now, as he ministers to them and preaches to them and teaches them, now Peter has been... Already, the Bible says, mending his nets and washing his nets. So you can imagine, he's about ready to go. 
He's in this boat and um, he's listening to Jesus and he's fished all night and he's done a few things with his net. And, and so he's kind of tidying things up and cleaning things up. And, and so um, he's listening to Jesus. And then when he finishes, Jesus says, now, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep and throw your nets down. Now, that may not seem very significant. I believe it's very significant. Because Peter said, now, Lord, we, we've been fishing all night. We've been fishing all night long. And um, I'm tired. And besides, I've already cleaned, I've already cleaned up my nets and, and, uh, and I'm ready to go in. And then, wh- why would that be so strange? It doesn't seem so strange to us because we're not fishermen. But you take a net like this and, and you stand up in a boat and you have to get everything just right and, and you have to prepare and you have to get ready and you have to make sure there's no tangles. So Peter's doing all of that, you know, and he's got everything ready to go. And then the next thing you know, Jesus says, now I want you to cast your net out on the water. Now, if I'm standing in a boat in the daylight with the sun shining overhead, and I stand up, what are the fish going to do? They're going to scatter. You don't fish with a net, with a throw net in the daylight where the fish can see you. And when the net hit the water and it threw a shadow over them, they'd be scattering and running. That makes no sense. Peter knows that. Now, I'm a fisherman, Peter says. And look at all these people on the bank looking at me. And Jesus is telling me to throw my net in the daytime? Why, anybody knows you don't throw a net like that in the daytime. You do your fishing at night. They'd fished all night, hadn't done any good at all. Now Jesus has used his boat as a pulpit and declared the gospel to the people. And he looks at Peter and says, now, let's go on out deep. I want you to cast your net. Peter said, Lord, this is not a good idea. I think Peter didn't want to be made a fool of. You're asking me to throw a net in the daytime? You don't throw nets in the daytime with this kind of fishing. But Peter said, or Jesus said, you go ahead. So Peter said, okay, nevertheless, that's your word. Y'all are sitting in a dangerous place today. I thought about that when you sat down this morning. So then Peter, Peter said, okay, I'm going to do what the Lord said do. So he took that net and he threw it out and I about pulled my microphone off. There we go. It's a good thing it didn't hang me, right? And so when he threw it into the water, I believe Peter probably nonchalantly, without any faith, began to pull it back in. All of a sudden he felt a tug. And then he felt a stronger tug. And then he began to pull. And he looked at the others in the boat and said, you guys, come on over here. Began to pull. And they began to pull. And that net was just full of fish. So much they couldn't hardly pull it in for the number of fish that was in that net. That was quite awakening, wasn't it, for Peter that day? Because he learned you can't always fear what people might think. You can't be afraid of what people might say, but you always need to obey the master. Amen? That was an important lesson that day for Peter to learn. So the Bible tells us, that, that Peter's on his way now. He's learning. Now, Peter um, 
throws the net out, they catch lots of fish, and then Jesus says to him, from now on you will catch men. Says that later in the passage. This, this whole incident had a reason. It had a, a purpose. It wasn't just about catching fish. It was about, Peter, if you'll listen to what I tell you to do, if you'll do things the way I tell you, if you'll trust me, you'll have success. And by the way, you're going to catch men and not fish in the future. Well, this catch was so supernatural. This catch was so unusual. The Bible says that Peter cried out, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, we call that conviction, right? Peter recognized who Jesus was, and he recognized his own sinfulness. He was a sinful man. He was a big, strong man. On your sheet there, I've shown in John 21, 11, there's another incident very similar to the one I just shared with you about the casting of nets. And when they cast the nets this time, they dragged in the fish and the boats began to sink. And Peter jumped out of the water when he realized it was Jesus standing on the shore and swam to the shore. And when they got there, he had to turn back around and they were struggling Jesus had prepared for them fish and bread upon a fire. And he looked at Peter and said, go help them get those fish. Peter ran out there on the edge of the water and grabbed that net and pulled it in himself. He was a strong man. I believe his hands were cut and scarred from handling fish and nets. I think his skin was rough. He was tanned and weathered. He was a rugged kind of a man. He was a businessman along with his brother Simon or his brother Andrew and then James and John. They were in a partnership together and they had a business. So notice he was a man. He was a man's man. He was a fisherman. He was a businessman. He was a big strong man. He was a sinful man. He knew how to curse and swear. I mean, you, according to the world, you expect that from a man. Sometimes, don't you? To fit in. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, cuss like a sailor? It, there's some occupations that it just seems to kind of go with. That's the kind of man Peter was. Oh, was he rough? Was he tough? He was loud. And he was mouthy. And he spoke often and freely. He didn't know how to control his tongue. There's one place in scripture where the Bible says this. And Peter, not knowing what to say, said. And he was always doing it. He was always putting his foot in his mouth. Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified. I'm, I'm going to be put on a cross. I'm going to give my life. And Peter speaks up and says, not so, no, not so, Lord. It'll never happen to you. I'll be with you. We'll make sure that doesn't happen. Jesus responds to him. When he makes statements like that and say, get thee behind me, Satan. So very direct, very outspoken, very, we might even sometimes say obnoxious, undependable. Can't count on him. The Bible says that when Jesus was arrested... And it is true, he stood up for Jesus and swung the sword and cut the ear off of one of the servants. And Jesus healed it and put it back and let him know this wasn't about a fight. We were going to follow through with the plan of God. 
And Peter, you're not going to stop it. But then the Bible teaches us that he, along with the others, fled. And as Jesus was carried to be crucified, Peter did something that he's very well known for. Did he not? He denied the Lord. Somebody said, I know who you are. You're one of the ones who followed Jesus. You're one of his disciples. No, not me. Somebody else accused him again. You got the wrong person. You are sadly mistaken. I don't know who he is. And then again, the accusation was made. And the Bible said that he denied with cursing and with swearing that he knew who Jesus was. I have nothing to do with this man, he said, as he denied the Lord. Here's one thing we know about Peter. He was thoroughly human. He was thoroughly human. But Jesus saw in him a gem. As I've said, he started out a clump of coal. But now we're going to see where he ended up being a diamond. To whom did Jesus first appear after the resurrection? Jesus had been crucified on the cross, laid in a tomb. He rose again the third day and appeared to certain people. And in the 1 Corinthians account, chapter 15, verse 5, who was the very first person that Jesus appeared to in that list? Kephas. Simon Peter. We can imagine why, can't we? Peter has denied the Lord with cursing and swearing three times. Forsook the Lord. Peter feels so badly. About what you've done. You ever wondered how people can just do things. That are bad things. And they feel badly about doing bad things. But they keep doing bad things. And keep feeling badly. That's the way it is sometimes. Peter felt terrible about what he had done. He went out and wept. The Bible says bitterly. He felt bad about that. But can you imagine the guilt that he carried? Can you imagine... What a sorry human being he felt he was for having responded to the Lord Jesus and his arrest, crucifixion, and so forth the way he did. And the Bible teaches us that when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, that account shows him going first to see Kephas. I imagine that Jesus embraced him. I imagine that Jesus put his arms around Peter and says, Peter, I love you still. Peter, there's still something I've got for you to do. Peter, I still need you. And he received Peter unto himself. Peter was already repentant and sorry for what he had done. And the Lord showed him that love And forgiveness through a special visitation. Jesus parting words to John before his ascension in John 21. I realize there's other things happening before Jesus ascends. But this is a a personal conversation that the Lord had with Peter. Such a powerful, powerful passage. 
the account I shared with you a while ago of where another net scene took place and fish were caught and Jesus had bread and fish on the fire, invited them to come for breakfast after a long night of fishing and they'd caught nothing, but then he tells them to throw the net out and they catch all kinds of fish, 153 big ones. That qualifies as a successful business or successful fishing trip in my book, 153 big ones. Well, that's what they caught that day. And they're having breakfast, sitting down with Jesus. Can you imagine being there in a scene perhaps very similar to this? The number wouldn't have been as great as this, but there they sat, listening to Jesus. Everything was quiet. They perhaps had just finished eating. And Jesus looks over at Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus a second time looked at Peter and said, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter responded the second time, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. And then the third time Jesus says it again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus each time said to him, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, take care of business then, if you love me, Peter. There's a lot of things in that passage we could talk about, the different words that were used. But the main thing I... I want to share with you today was, isn't it interesting that Peter denied the Lord three times and Jesus asked him three times, do you really love me, Peter? Now there's a, there's a transition taking place here. Peter is transforming, being transformed from a lump of coal to a diamond in the eyes of God. Now, with all of that background, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. I like to talk about salvation. It's very important. And we're going to pick up with that in verse 10 of chapter 1, 1 Peter. Of this salvation, the prophets... Now, Peter is writing this just in case you didn't notice. These are the words of Peter. He says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. These prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time, Trying to figure out this story of the coming of the Messiah, in other words, and what he was going to do. And then he says this really, really interesting thing. Peter says, the spirit of Christ was in them. The spirit of Christ was in the prophets. And was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, to those who lived in Jesus' day. Now watch this. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. 
They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Incidentally, Peter was one of those who preached the gospel to them. And just like Paul, when we started a man in Christ who didn't want to refer to himself, we see Peter here talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon them and preaching the gospel, but he didn't name himself. He just talked about it in general terms. That shows me things are already changing in Peter's eyes. The way he talks, the way he thinks about himself. It's interesting, however, that he says, Peter says, it was the Spirit of Christ who was in the prophets. And it's the Holy Spirit sent from heaven who came and and touched our hearts. And we began to preach and to share this wonderful salvation that Jesus gives. Let me ask you some questions from the book of Acts. We're about to finish. Somebody tell me who preached that great sermon on the day of Pentecost. Come on, talk to me. Peter did. Somebody tell me who it was who was walking into the temple one day and looked at a lame man who had been there for years and said to him, rise up and walk. Who was that? That was Peter. Who was it who in church one day when somebody came to give a certain amount of money, And they represented they were giving for a big amount, but really it wasn't that way at all. They were, they were disguising what was taking place as if they'd done some great sacrifice and presented things to the Lord. And somebody spoke up and said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Who said that? Peter did. To whom did God give a vision of a sheet left down from heaven? And in that sheet was all kinds of animals and four-footed beasts. And then this vision, the angel said, now rise, kill and eat. Just enjoy all these things. And then this person spoke up and said, I'll never eat anything common or unclean. And then the Lord spoke back and said, don't you call what I've created common and unclean. Who was it that experienced that? It was Peter. Who first preached to the Gentiles? It was Peter. Who was delivered from prison as the church prayed? Church prayed for them. They began to pray and pray and pray. And Peter was in prison as the church was praying. And the gates were open and Peter walked right out. You read the book of Acts. You'll find out that Peter was used mightily by God in the early church. As a matter of fact, the the prominent figure in the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts is Simon Peter. Before it turns to being Paul the rest of the way through in his missionary journeys. Here's a man that was changed. Some people would say he wasn't worth a plug nickel. He had no potential. He, He never could be anything for God because he had too many flaws and faults. He was mouthy. He was loud. He cursed and he swore. You couldn't count on what he said. And on and on the list would go. He's worthless to God. Some people would say. And Jesus said you're not worthless to me. I see great hope for you. I've got something I want to do for you. 
But I'd like for you to notice this one thing about Peter. He had his, he had his personality problems and his quirks. He had his faults, did he not? Certainly he did. But do you know what happened on the day of Pentecost? When this Holy, when this Spirit of Christ that was in the apostles and the same Holy Spirit that inspired Peter when he preached on that day, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God came and they were all filled there. Do you know what? He was a different man from that point forward. Do you know that? It changed him. Listen, before Pentecost, Peter went into hiding and denied the Lord and was afraid to let anybody know he was saved. And he was just, just a, just a, he was a basket case. And as soon as the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, man, something happened to him and he got filled with the Spirit and he stood up like a lion roaring and declared the gospel. And he looked at those people that he was preaching to and he said, you're the one who crucified them. You're the one who put them on the cross and you need to repent and turn to God. And the Bible says that 3,000 of them turned to the Lord that day. That was Peter, the same one who denied just weeks earlier. And I will submit to you today that we can struggle in our lives with all kind of problems. Listen, I got problems, you got problems, all God's children's got problems. I'm talking about idiosyncrasies and failures and faults and, and things where somebody might look at you and say, God can't use you. I'm going to tell you right now, God can use you. God wants to use you. You have potential. There ain't nobody in this building. I know that's not good grammar, but there ain't nobody in this building as messed up as Peter was. But God could use him and God can use you. But here's the thing that's going to make the difference in your life. Now, as far as your salvation is concerned, it's the blood of Jesus on the cross. Okay? But having gotten into that point, if you want to go through this life... Being able to sing victory in Jesus and have a spring in your step and a smile on your face. If you want to walk in victory, if you want to accomplish something great for God, if you want to, if you want to be an overcomer, it will be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in our church age today that we live in, it's kind of like we want to put the Holy Spirit on the shelf somewhere and leave him there. I'm going to tell you what, if there's ever been a day we need the Holy Spirit of God, it's today. Yes, amen. amen. And here is how important that is. Here's how important that is. Jesus' command to Peter went like this. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. The commandment that Jesus gave to all the disciples and still is incumbent upon us today goes like this. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is that an important injunction? Is that an important assignment? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Sure it is. But you know what Jesus told them after he gave them that command? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know what his commandment was? But don't go now. Don't go now. You're not ready. What I want you to do is go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You need the Holy Spirit to come 
to empower you, to fill you, to be with you in order to accomplish the assignment that I'm giving you. And that's just as true today as it was then. And if you think you're going to go through this life and please God and be a Christian and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish without the Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you it can't happen. It cannot happen. We need the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was sent for these days and this time. Our Father, which art in Jesus is seated at the right hand of the the Holy Spirit has been sent here, down here for us in this dispensation. This is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. We don't set Jesus aside. We don't set the Father aside. We can't be saved without the blood of Jesus and what he did on the cross. But God's plan was to send the Holy Spirit so that his church could be empowered and be what he's called us to be. Listen, I don't believe you can be filled with the Spirit and walk in defeat all the time. I think about what Paul says so often. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And on and on and on. God has promised us victory. God has promised us the ability to make a difference. Cheryl, I don't know what God's going to do with you in Africa, but the Holy Spirit's going to be there with you. Amen. Tony and Leslie, I don't know what Aaron's going to do and wherever Aaron is, but I believe the Lord will be there with him and take care of him. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. You do, I do, we all do. If we're going to accomplish anything for God, it will be done by the Holy Spirit, not in our own talent and ability for whatever that might be worth or not worth. We need the Spirit of God. I'd just like to challenge you today as we get ready to sing this song and the musicians come. And singers, I'd, I'd just like to challenge you with this. If you're not a friend of the Holy Spirit, if you don't have a, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I've, I've heard Christians say, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. That is, that is heretical. That's heretical. It is the Holy Spirit. He has been sent to this earth to be with us. Jesus said, Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come. But when I go away, I'll send another comforter that he may be with you forever. And he will lead you and guide you into all truth. You'll never go anywhere. That the Holy Spirit doesn't go with you if you if you open your heart and allow Him to walk with you and fill you. Can you can you grieve the Holy Spirit? The Bible says you can. Can you quench the Holy Spirit? The Bible says you can. As a matter of fact, it says don't do it. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Open your heart to the Spirit. Let the, I, I'm going to tell you what, I just, I was excited about worship this morning. I felt the Holy Spirit here. Yeah, the power of the Lord was here today. Power of the Lord is here today. But you know what? That same spirit, that same power, when you walk out these doors and wherever you may go this week, the spirit of the Lord will go with you. Right.
and he will be with you there. There'll be some time where he'll whisper in your ear and say, you see that woman sitting over there? Looks very disturbed. I want you to go over and talk to her. What should you do? You should go over there. That's what happened to Peter that day. Peter was filled with the Spirit and he was walking through the same gate. The same man was there that had been there for years. But this time the Spirit said, why don't you just reach down and raise him up? And Peter listened to the Spirit. And we have that wonderful miracle where this man walked. We have to learn to listen to the Spirit. We have to learn to be sensitive to the Spirit. The Bible says we should walk in the Spirit. We should live in the Spirit. Oh, it's, listen, you can't even read the New Testament without understanding that the Spirit of God wants to be real to us in unfathomable ways. He really does. But we have to be open to that. If you'll think about it, the devil will fight anything that he knows is going to bring victory to the people of God. Amen. And that's why he fights today. Teaching. And the doctrine of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Satan wants to keep people down. Satan wants to keep people discouraged. Satan wants to keep people depressed. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. And you may have it more abundantly. And there's no such thing as defeat. Yes. When you're walking in the spirit. Amen. As we sing today this wonderful hymn. And you would like to come. Maybe and bow. At the altar or stand at the altar. And talk to the Lord. Maybe even invite the Holy Spirit to be more real and more precious to you than he's ever been. Tell you what, I'm going to ask you to be man enough or woman enough to leave your seat and just come down here and talk to the Lord a little bit about this and say, Lord, I need you. I can't make it without you. I may have messed up like Peter did. I may have been unfaithful to you like Peter was. I may have failed you, but I know you can turn it around in my life. I feel worthless like a clump of coal. But I want to be a diamond in your eyes. So help me, Jesus. If you feel that way about it, I'm going to challenge you. Don't you worry what the person to the left of you or to the right of you might think. Or what you think they might think. It doesn't matter what they think. This is between you and the Lord. So as we sing, stand with me if you would. And as we sing, you're invited to come.
Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. congregation today and Lord I just pray that uh, you would help us help us see the importance Lord of being filled with your spirit help us understand Lord that there are things that we can do throughout the week to to cause you to come closer and nearer and dearer to us. And there are things that we can do that grieve you. There's times when we quench your presence and your spirit in our midst. Lord, forgive us of those things. Help us to understand, O oh Holy Spirit, that revival comes from you. And miracles come from you. And healings come from you. And, and Lord, you can do all kinds of things in our midst as we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God. Help us, Lord. Help us to welcome you into our hearts on a daily basis. Lord, to understand that you desire to fellowship with us. You desire to speak to us. You desire to, to, to share your will with us. You teach us. You lead us. You guide us. You encourage us. You touch us. You bless us. You speak to our hearts. And oh, how we need that today. We need that, we need that fellowship with you. Help us, we pray. Oh Lord, somehow, some way, let this moment be a fresh beginning for many of us who are here. Understanding that we don't have to remain a, just a clump of worthless coal. But Lord, you can transform us into a diamond. One of your trophies. One of your jewels. That Malachi said that you were going to bring together. So help us, we pray. Spirit of the living God. Oh uh-huh. 
me and melt me. Break me, melt me. Now mold me and fill me. coming back to the fact of what we're living in today and how real the spirit has been in the past few weeks in my in my soul Um, how i've felt the spirit here even more than i ever have before and i believe that's just a sign of the time that it's getting very close and so i i urge you to go forth and to spread the gospel this week uh speak the truth and share the message that was shared with you today be blessed